Welcome to the weekly episode of the Freelancer Codex Podcast. Your hosts, Stephen, and co-hosts Mike, Devin, and JD are all set. Join us and tweet your questions at Freelancer Codex. Find us on Facebook at Freelancer Codex. Or send emails to FreelancerCodex at gmail.com. Strap into your javelins and let's drop in. Welcome, everybody, to episode 120 of the Freelancer Codex podcast, longest-running anthem podcast in the universe, I believe, still. I think we still hold that title. I am your host, Steve, along with my three co-hosts and a special guest. So we're here with Devin, Mike, JD, and who else? And with, uh, sorry, I just totally lost my train of thought here. We are also here with Sarah El Male. I wanted to make sure I got that right because I was really worried that I was not going to get that right. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm all right. I'm I'm so pleased to have my name pronounced correctly. I I it's refreshing. That's good. Is that one of those things where when people mispronounce it, you just kind of let it go because you'd rather not like you oh, know. Yeah. So we, I'm not going to make a whole scene. Yeah, it's fine. I understand. I mean, it does mean that like when I, I get a moment, it gives me a very valuable pause in between a telemarketer's call, and they're like, "Hi, it's Sarah." And I'm like, bye, because <laughs> they're like struggling to figure out how to say my name. Like, I'm like, you know what? You don't know me clearly. Ta-ta. You know, so you, like, you have three seconds to get it right or it's like, sorry, we're hanging up. I mean, do you do yeah, you have other? You don't know me. So what's bye. the most common pronunciation that you get from your last name? Probably El Malay, I think. See, and, and that's what I that's what I thought it was going to be. So I figured I'd better ask you before I sounded like a mm-hmm. like a telemarketer on, on this show. So. <laughs> I would have forgiven you. I know what we're doing here today. I know what day it is. Yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> well, we appreciate you being here, Sarah. And Sarah, for those that don't know, um, was the voiceover artist for the Freelancer and Anthem. You are also the co-founder of the online games conference, Game Dev World. You're an actor, yeah, game dev so. advocate. Um, you also speak a lot of the trade shows, moderate a lot of the talks at um, some of the some of the trade shows. Um, you've been you were in for honor. Um, you were in mm-hmm. Gone Home, Gears 5, Pyre, and you did the um, Amazon, the Alexa Jurassic World reveal um, that was done a really long time ago. And I think that's a super interesting thing that I need to ask you about. But sure. Sarah, thank you for being here. We we are the longest running Anthem podcast. So for me I in particular, um, so I played as the female freelancer. So I've had your voice in my head for hundreds and hundreds of hours. And I never thought I'd like be able to talk to the person that is like, because you know I don't I don't get to have a conversation with the freelancer. So I was like, oh, I've heard your voice, and now getting to talk to you and ask you all these fun questions about how that experience went. I'm excited to dive into that, and then we can maybe. I just have to say that my mind is like equally blown because I never get to touch (laughs) or talk to. I don't. I rarely get to sort of experience folks who are encountering me in this way and spend certainly that much time. And so I have questions for you. Like I want to know what it's like to be you. Like, oh, do I sound very different than than your freelancer? Is a, is question one. I tend to be a lot more silly than probably than she is. But like, you tell me, did I sound different? So, so yes, you actually do sound different. I was waiting to hear, and I was like, okay, so she does sound different. And I don't know, depending on how you know encoding works, how my, different microphones work in studio. If you're if you're doing a voice, or if that's just the personal voice that you are using, because right now to me, you sound. You know, you can pick out the similarities, but you do sound like side by side. I would guess that it was a different person. I love it. I love it. I love my job. I mean, I, uh, I'm i not doing to answer your question. I think there's a question in there about whether I'm putting on a voice. I am for the freelancer. I did not. It's 
it's pretty close to my voice print. It's just such a different mode. Like I, I, um, it's funny because I do often get cast for like sort of tougher chicks who are pretty capable and like, I don't, I don't do as much higher range folks and, um, things like that as often. Um, so I get hired for toughness and things and I, and I, the freelancer isn't as tough as, as some of the folks I've, she's not the Raider, right. From for honor. Right. Um, mm-hmm. who I probably sound even more different than, but, um, yeah, but she's just sort of me on a tough day. She's like me on a capable, tough day. <laughs> Whereas me all, most of the time is running around flailing my arms like a Muppet, you know, like that's just, <laughs> Just, just a different mode, but it's not like I don't think about it like it's a yeah. I don't think about it like it's me with a voice on. It's just like oh, all right, let's settle into action mode. Okay, here we are. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for 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 a lot of voice acting, I mean, is it normally just hey, come in, use your voice, just with a little twist? I mean, I know there are some voice actors that also do the accents. So, I mean, do you have a do you have a particular accent that you enjoy doing a lot of the time? That that's just like your go to. It's like hey, I can bust out this accent anytime. Here we go. It's funny. I think when I was younger, I had more of what I considered back pocket accents. And I don't know if my ears just gotten more, um, attend, like more picking up more detail and kind of being more critical of actual authenticity than I was when I was younger, or if I'm losing my, or if I'm not using my accents as much as a muscle. But, um, when I was younger, I would have said, yeah, like I have a solid English RP, a lot of British Isles, less American South than I would like actually, as far as specificity, really understanding the regional differences there. Um, but I'm, I have a good ear. So it's funny because some of the accents I've been hired for in games are not accents that I would consider to have in my back pocket. And so what happens is I like watch a movie or or listen to a podcast or find as many interviews as I can. And I kind of soak it all up like a sponge. And then I go into the booth for four hours and I stay in that mode as much as I can. And I leave and I'm like, would I say I can do a New Zealand accent? No, but I sure just did. And I hope no one hates me. (laughs) That's awesome. That's more my process. Even after party, there was like some chick from Northern England. And I was like, I found some charming YouTuber from Shropshire or wherever. And I was like, all right, buddy, it's you and me. Let's go. So is it it really just getting into that headspace for a couple hours and almost like just, you know, immersing yourself in the accent, come out of it, throw your lines down and then, you know, almost like cramming for a test maybe? Yeah, kind of. I mean, ideally you give yourself some time. So you're not just, I mean... Cramming is the raw, cramming for the accent, I suppose, like, and certainly preparing for the accent, but there's almost no prep involved in voiceover. I, I, I've, I've used this distinction a number of times and I feel like it's working out well, so I'm going to stick to it. And that is that there's almost no preparation in voiceover, only conditioning. Um, so if you think about yourself as an athlete, you're not, um, you know, you're not memorizing exactly what you're going to do on the day of a, of a game. What you're doing is you're staying in shape and you're staying ready to go and you're staying versatile and nimble and warmed up and all of those other things so that you're ready to do whatever needs to be done on the day. And that's true of voiceover too, because you rarely get scripts. I mean, it's different for performance capture. Then you're getting off book and you are actually learning your lines and preparing a bit. But um, but for booth voiceover, of which there's both an anthem, right? Just booth voiceover and, and performance capture, um, for me anyway, um, then you are mostly just kind of staying ready. Um, and staying warmed up. I've been very bad about my warm-ups. I have to be better about my warm-ups. I usually do them in the car, so I have to like remember as soon as I wake up to warm up my voice. So, so it sounds like you also kind of have to be really good at improv then because it's not memorizing lines. It's go in, you know, be flexible. Hey, can you say it like this a little bit different? I mean, does improv, does that skill come into play a lot then? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're not making up the lines most of the time. Um, so it's not improv in the sense of coming up with content per se, but you do need to be 
it is a very good skill to have for voiceover and an essential to cultivate. I'm actually in a virtual improv workout group right now with a bunch of other game voice actors, and it's so satisfying and nice, and it works those muscles well. But yeah, being um, spontaneous and committed and bold in your choices, um, really, really believe in your choices and have them come from you without any hesitation, um, creating variety on the spot, not being married to any particular way of saying something or thinking about a line. Um, all of that is very is, is trained in you in improv and really comes in handy for sure. Very cool. Nice. Well, Sarah, before so we now look in chat, did you see that, Stephen? Or no? Yeah. Um, but before mm-hmm. we do that, I wanted to thank a couple of our patrons. Um, we try to do that at the top of show. Thank then we'll. Ju- jump back more into questions for Sarah that I have. Um, so first we want to thank um, the patrons that we have for the show. It means a lot for everyone's support, especially during this really difficult time. So thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, so we wanted to thank Jules, Nathan B, Michael R, Trent B, Men in Steel, Scout, Tony K, and Volkai. We really appreciate all the support you, that you guys give to us. It helps keep things running on our end. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so Thank Sarah, you, patrons. yes, mm-hmm. Sorry. um, to help. <laughs> no, that you, you, please, you, you help as much as you want. I will, I will shut up. You are, we are here to listen to you because you're, I mean, people show up to listen to you. So that's what we're, a lot of people are here to do. So, um, now Vic from chat on Twitch wanted to know, and I don't know if you, I don't know if you do like, Hey, can you do this accent on command? But can you, do you have a cow go to cowboy accent? A cowboy accent? That is, that is what Nalvik wants to know in the chat. I think cowboy sort of makes me think of like Holly Hunter. Like I just, I feel like you're, or even Texas, Texas has sort of a mumbly kind of Joel from Last of Us, I think is from Texas. But yeah, you, so you, I, I don't know if that's accurate at all, but you know, and cowboys are also kind of a mythic creature as much as anything else. But yeah, those are the ingredients. Those are the things that I would start to think about if I were to make one. <laughs> so so the answer is yes then you can do that on command oh i don't know <laughs> if i screw up my face <laughs> and, 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 and that's what i do half of it is like just you know making half of your lip go up kind of like an elvis style yeah, thing if right. you're a cowboy acting mm-hmm. like you've got you know a piece of uh hay in your in your mouth while you're chewing on that yeah. so, so sarah <laughs> along with voice acting um working on anthem you co-founded gamedev.world mm-hmm, can you can yeah. you explain to me and my co-host and everyone else what exactly that is? Yeah. So GameDev.World is a free online global games conference, which means it's broadcasting talks um, on game development from a variety of disciplines in game development folks, and then folks who are, who are doing game development from around the world um, in their native language. Um, so it's translated uh, live into eight languages. So we have talks in eight different languages, kind of a a variety of talks in eight different languages. And then they're all translated into those eight different languages, which gives you an opportunity to kind of connect with practitioners. It's very different hearing someone speak in their second language than it is in their first. Um, And so it kind of, I think it creates sort of an intimate connection to these folks who are, you may not think of as, as sort of the most visible people creating games necessarily, but are also like, you know, we had folks from South Africa who are like making indie games and they're working with different tools and in a different environment and different inspirations than, than we are here in North America. Um, so the idea was to kind of break open barriers, cultural barriers and certainly language barriers um, of game development insight and knowledge um, so that everybody around the world can, can benefit. And it's, you know, our, our industry is particular, particularly technologized, right? So we have the technology, the virtual online technology to do that. Um, so we thought um, that while 
other events exist to bring people in physical meat space, you know, to each other. And that's extremely valuable. I have many, many treasured game memories and moments of meeting kindred spirits at physical events. But at the same time, there's folks who can't afford to attend those events and things like that. Um, so we kind of see ourselves as a complementary, um, urgent and doable kind of supplement to that. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think, you know, when we, you know, with um, the coronavirus spreading across the country and across yeah. the world, we we kind of take those those chances to meet together and things like E3 and PAX kind of for mm -hmm. granted. And, you know, mm -hmm. having that digital so other people can come, it's kind of like you guys are, you know, already have a leg up saying, hey, we know how to do this. We can do this. Mm -hmm. We can help people, you mm -hmm. know, hey, we can still do these type of events, even if we're not meeting mm -hmm. in person. Right. And yeah. And just last week, you guys raised over $80,000 for the GDC yeah. Relief Fund. Um, can you yeah. talk about, can you talk about that? What you did? How you did it? Why you did it? I mean, you, I saw you, you retweeting a lot of people streaming on Twitch. Um, yeah. Almost every day. Mm -hmm. We had three days, three days of, of virtual programming. Um, and then the actual bundle, it was a number of things, um, to explain. So, um, when GDC was canceled, we were aware because of our mission statement in our community of folks that would be disproportionately really heavily impact, impacted by that. Um, you know, folks saving up, especially Indies, say, from Africa, the cost to attend GDC and get themselves physically to GDC is vastly more proportionally more, you know, heavy for them than than maybe for some for some other folks. So so we thought of all the folks who would like invested heavily in GDC is this moment in their development cycle to make some meetings happen, to make some business opportunity happen, um, to get to meet and connect with the right people in order to, to, to kind of do business um, as being really as like a major loss, a lot of money and lost and, and people affected. So another um, a fund, actually, it's called the Wings Fund, um, which has a mission of funding marginalized independent developers. Um, immediately set up a relief fund to kind of help offset those losses. And we committed uh, right away to um, running a fundraiser to help support that fund. Um, we ran so live talks and, and kind of hangouts um, for the actual fundraiser itself. We also had a, a jam. So folks were making little games jamming um, to, to put into a bundle. So you could buy a bundle of all these games. It was over 100 something games that you could get from donating. Um, so yeah, so these three different pieces—the jam, the bundle, the bundle, and the uh, and the fundraiser—all kind of coming together to drive funds to that um, to that initiative to kind of help folks out. Um, so yeah, so I was particularly involved in the programming and and running of the the fundraiser, um, not the tech side, mind you. Um, but uh, yeah, so I reached out to a few friends that I thought would have some cozy, nice kind of comfort food. Um, but also insightful, you know, stuff to say um, to connect with the community, either playing music or talking about their process or streaming games, things like that, um, to kind of rally, rally everybody together. Yeah. And, and that's awesome. And is there a place where people can still go to contribute to this mm -hmm. fund? Is there still time? And do you want to give that oh, that website out? That's a good question. I'm not sure that the bundle is still up. I think it expired on I think that that $80,000 is where we ended the availability of the bundle. I'm not sure it's possible. That although applications to receive funding from that relief fund are closed, you may still be able to donate to the fund itself. I'm not sure. Um, but the place to go check for that, if you want to watch any of the fundraiser, our archives are up. Um, there's some really talented folks. I mean, Austin Wintry and um, Darren Korb and, and a bunch of other folks doing content. Um, you can still watch the fundraiser at the GameDev.World Twitch. I believe it's twitch.tv slash GameDevWorld underscore EN for English. Um, 
and the fund is is run by uh, Wings Fund Me, or like Wings Fund Me is their handle on most social media. Okay. The Wings Fund um, would be the place to kind of see if they're still accepting donations for the uh, for the relief fund. Awesome. So everyone, if and you can, our website still has that info too. GameDev.World slash donate, maybe. Awesome. So anyone that can, um, I know it's kind of tough right now to to find a couple of extra dollars, but if you can, please go donate, help. Because there, I mean, that that's hard to get represented and get your, if you're a small indie developer from somewhere, you know, far away, it's hard to get known. I mean, I know Sony, Microsoft, mm-hmm. Nintendo, they're, they've been making huge pushes for indie developers um, recently. Mm-hmm. I think there's, I mean, when you, when you think of all the games that come out on Steam, like every day even, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of titles that come out. And it's hard to get mm-hmm. noticed. So it's mm-hmm. it's tough to spend all that money to try to get noticed at a big show and then to not have that happen. So I think that's amazing work that you guys are doing. So Thank Sarah, so. I would love to know what games you are playing now. I know recently you just picked up mm. a Switch. Is that correct? I did for the first time. Mm-hmm, that's true. Because I late night tweeted like, "How do I make? How do I find my friends?" <laughs> and is that be- is that because oh, of Animal just- Crossing? Yeah, it's because of Animal Crossing. Yeah, oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's my oh, first game. It's unstoppable. It is. I know. That capitalist I raccoon. A capitalist raccoon. I know it's so funny. I was um I was watching my friend Anthony Carboni stream some um tw- you know Twitch stream some Animal Crossing, and I was like. And he was like, Sarah, what's going on? You know, he saw me in chat and I was like, I just want to understand Twitter because my Twitter is like 90% Animal Crossing. Like, yeah. <laughs> like Twitter's already in my life and I've lost touch with it because of this game. Now I have to go play it, I guess. Um, but I'm also very much looking forward to a game. I have relied on games taking care of me in times of personal crisis um, before. And yeah. so I was, I'm kind of like trying out different candidates to see which one is going to be the safety net that catches me this time but i feel like i feel like it could be animal crossing as possible i think i think it is for a lot of people right now i also like yeah. everyone's talking about it i i have not picked it up i don't own a switch yet but you know in the back of my mind it's like now's the time everyone's talking about this yeah. one game you could be cool and popular too and i'm like <laughs> eh, maybe i'll wait so so sarah <laughs> wh- where did when did you start playing games and what game was it that got you like hooked into the game world yeah um I hope this isn't too long an answer. I mean, the short answer is I don't really have memories much before games. Okay. Um, like I remember playing when I was very, very small at my cousins on their Nintendo, um, things like Duck Hunt and what have you. Um, Sunset Riders, I remember even more vividly for some reason. Um, so that would be a memorable, a memorable game that started me with games. But I think from then I was always transfixed. I mean, maybe it was because it, it was forbidden. You know, I went to a, like a very crunchy granola sort of hippie to be school from third grade on, you know, and like we weren't, we were never allowed to have consoles, but we rented them. We were allowed to rent them. And then of course me and my brother would binge on them and then our parents would be horrified and the cycle would continue. You know, like <laughs> you can't own these. <laughs> How dare you, you've, you've broken your thumbs. What's wrong with you? Um, yeah. So, and I was thinking about it too. Like, I think that was the only time that my brother and I like really shared play. We really like, or I like, I separated off from him in most ways, except for having to come together to negotiate the console use. Yeah. Um, so we played together a lot too. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I never owned a Nintendo, but I played a lot of early Nintendo and super Nintendo. I rent, we rented a lot of Sega Genesis. Um, a lot of the Disney adaptations, a lot of the licensed Disney games for some reason are really memorable to me. Probably because did you, how many controllers did you break playing Lion King? (laughs) Right? Oh my God. (laughs) Holy smack. Oh, so hard. Uh, They're so good. (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't, I don't think people nowadays like know how easy they have it with their quick saves and their restarts and their checkpoints. There was no checkpoints in Lion King. I think there were actually. Like rocks, wildebeest, and oh, that sequence was maddening. Yeah, it was hard. It was good. Um, yeah, and then I think really though, I think as my imagination kind of my soul started started sparking off of the LucasArts adventure games. Um, I remember playing. I remember playing some Sierra or some King's Quest with my friend in her basement in middle school and, and younger. And then really like I have lots of really powerful memories of playing like full throttle for the first time and Curse of Monkey Island and that the, the, the three in a row years of like full throttle Curse of Monkey Island, Grim Fandango was like, was a pretty serious era for me. Um, I played a lot of Sims in high school, and then my boyfriend had a lot of had had consoles, so we all some play, original PlayStation stuff there, some Final Fantasy there. Final um, Fantasy Seven. First consoles. Yes, <laughs> I caught the end of Seven, and then Eight, and then Eight changed like did horrible things to my romantic template for the rest of the time. <laughs> <It was. laughs> and then you go back and look at Squall, and you were like, "You are a you can't even <laughs> articulate." half of a thought bro like you are so jammed up because <laughs> i'm always interested because a lot for a lot of people final fantasy 7 is like the hey this was the moment i got yeah. into rpgs and there's other people like right. like i skipped seven like eight nine everything yeah. after that so is yeah. is is eight the, like eight your cornerstone of final fantasy for you it is it is actually yeah are you i, did it. I, I dressed up sorry go ahead no you go I i would rather hear your story about dressing <laughs> up as squall yeah no i uh, a friend of mine um uh, Teddy Deef, who's an indie developer, did we did a one of the early that we there's a tradition. It was on hold this year called Chocobowl. Used to be called Square Bowl, where we would play do a charity playthrough nonstop live of um of an an entire Final Fantasy over the course of Super Bowl weekend. Oh my god, the big game weekend, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so the first one I think might have been eight or the second one or something, but I definitely dressed up as Squall for it, and it was I looked good. That's, <laughs> and really, and there's internet really evidence cool. of this. I think it might be on my Instagram. You go back long enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to search for it now. So Go ahead. So did, Godspeed. Did you also play black Final... Black and white. That's the clue. It's black and white. Did you also play Final Fantasy VII, and are you excited for the remake that just is going to launch when, tomorrow, actually? It's probably launching tonight. Yeah, it's so soon. Just in a couple of hours, really. I feel like I could probably get into... Again, more because I'm just looking for a big... Like that, that game is so poignant and I feel like poignancy is in the wheelhouse of things I need right now that like, maybe I'll get into it and less so for nostalgia. Like I watched a bit of it. I knew how much it meant to my boyfriend at the time in high school. So that was more his thing. And, and, and eight was the one that I imprinted on like a goose or something being born. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm excited. I'm, I'm down. I, I remember I also did. God, now they have like a really wonderful cast actually voicing these people. But back before this was even a concept. Um, uh, Kirk Hamilton, who at Kotaku was like, I want to show you why voiceover isn't always necessary. And then asked a voice actor to be part of that demonstration. And I yeah. was like, sure, of course, why not? Yeah, so he did one scene where it was just the music and he's like, look how beautiful it is. And then we talked over it and he was like, look how shitty this is. <laughs> <laughs> so I voiced, technically I voiced Eris in a, in a scene from Final Fantasy VII. Awesome. So you can put that on your credits. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, so no, I actually met the lady who did do the remake, and she seems very nice. I think her name is Brianna. Brianna. Hmm. So, when when you go in to do some voice acting, because this is something that I've always, I guess, I guess I just don't know, so I'm ignorant to how the whole voice acting process goes. When you get a call to come do in an audition, I mean, do they let you know 
who you're going to audition for, what company it is, what title it is. Because I mean, you're, I mean, if you're going in for something to go do like, you know, Gears 5 or some other game that you haven't heard of, I mean, that probably kind of sets different expectations, right? I mean, how does that process right. even, how does that even begin? Cause I'm just, I'm, I'm ignorant to the whole thing. No, sure. It's a good question. It's an important question. Most people don't know. They just assume that we have all the information at our fingertips. Um, yeah, but I do, I do sigh because no, we usually don't. Um, this is part of like a, an ongoing, not to talk contracts too much, but I, I am also involved in, ad, you know, sort of labor ad, advocacy, you know, just sort of talking to more culturally, less like um, in a legal sense, but just sort of advocating for um, for labor rights for both actors. I'm, I'm a member of SAG-AFTRA and then also for game developers if they, however they choose to kind of walk the path of actualizing them themselves as a, as a worker group. But, um, but yeah, the actors for a long time were fighting really hard to get more transparency um, and continue to want it. Um, transparency in their auditions so that they understand what's being asked of them. You know, you know, some folks have very different sensitivities to, you know, adult material or disturbing material or um, racial slurs, things like this. Um, or, and then just me as a fan, if I know the franchise, I know worlds of information about the tone of the game, the world I'm stepping into, um, all kinds of things. So it's useful and it's also essential for us to feel comfortable and empowered to do our work in the booth. Um, but the answer is no. Games are quite secretive. Um, they want to protect their marketing cycles and have other reasons for for keeping that um, for being worried that actors would leak. So a lot of it, a lot of the work that actors also have to do is to you know establish um, good faith and kind of trust with the developers that we, um, at least those of us who do this work often, understand how secret it is and not to go blabbing about it in various places. Um, so maybe we'll once the, maybe if we prove ourselves more than. They'll trust us to release more when we are in an auditioning phase. Um, but yeah, no, we we uh, everything has a code name as a project. I'm I'm plugged into games to a certain degree, so I can often guess at things like franchises if if the if the um, branding is really strong and, and familiar. But um, yeah, but no, we're we're kind of like guessing a lot, and it's not the best position to have. If you want actors to like slot into your world and and do what you're thinking, <laughs> tell us what you're thinking. <laughs> right. Because some of those lines yeah. could probably be delivered with a little bit more, you know, different context, depending on the information oh, yeah. that you have, right? Mm -hmm. So and we often don't get, I mean, we get anything from like three or four sentences and phrases without the other half of the conversation to like pages that look more like movie scenes. I mean, it's like, it's all over the place. Games, the information that we get is not standardized, um, is the other thing. So different people will tell you pages of world building back, you know, lore. Other people will not. Sometimes you get character art. Sometimes you don't. So, hmm. yeah. So when you went in to record lines for the female freelancer and Anthem, so as I, as I played on both of them, I noticed there, there's kind of a big difference between your freelancer and Ray Trace's freelancer. Your freelancer seems okay. way more confident. Um, and okay. Ray, and I don't know if it's just maybe the different direction that you and Ray were given, but his freelancer seems like, Hey, I just got out of high school and I need to learn how to pilot this thing. And yours is like, Hey, fresh sophomore year of college, let's get in here and let's do this. I mean, what, <laughs> what kind of direction were you given, um, to be the freelancer of this character that people were going to play for hundreds and hundreds of hours? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I love my director. Caroline Livingstone has been there um, and I hype her so much. And I'm like, you should talk more about your process because everyone is so attached to these performances. Like we care so much about Bioware performances. Like you should be out in the, but she's not like a games industry person. She's had this job at Bioware for so long, but she's like an actor who has a day job. 
you know, she loves us. Oh. She loves working with us, but like she's, she doesn't think about it the same way. Um, she like goes to work and does her job and then she has her family and loves theater and all that other stuff. So, um, but anyway, all that to say, I think I, I think I, I'm, not, I'm trying to remember like what she would have said. I think a lot of it was left to me to kind of set. And I think I subconsciously integrated a lot of stuff from, from past Bioware games. And I, and I think I focused on my values for like what I wanted to pass to the player. It feels like a big responsibility and a big opportunity to voice a player character, especially when in a Bioware game where you're going to have all kinds of relationships and so much variation. I mean, less variation maybe than in a normal Bioware game, but still. So what I focused on was, you know, the stakes. I wanted, I wanted everything to feel real. I wanted the world to feel real. I was trying to bring to you a world that felt consequential and real. Um, and, and, I, and, and being sort of your conduit to that. Um, I wanted to feel like the trauma of, you know, um, uh, of the opening of events of the game was really fresh and had, had determined her kind of changed her Been a, you know, she'd been affected by that, losing all those people, not being able to save them, not, not being capable enough. I mean, I feel like she, if I think, if I try to get in touch with her kind of core, she is like, she, she is, I want you to feel capable. I think she's moderately capable. She doesn't have all the answers. But she takes everything very seriously. She takes the world seriously, the danger, the chaos seriously. Feeling powerless in a in a in a chaotic, powerful world, unpredictable world, feeling that loss very deeply. So these are, I guess, maybe sort of more serious kind of tones. And and I don't know. There's a there's all there's another way to look at it as a as a as an actor and as a player where, you know, maybe Nate Drake when Nate Drake falls off a off you know from the top of a building and breaks what what normally maybe he'd break every rib in his body and he'd right. be screaming holy heck. But instead, he's like, oh, whoo. oh, wow, I was close. You right. know, like that's a very different way. But it also feels true because that's because you as a player are safe. That's another valid way to approach a player character is that the reality that the player is safe and they're just trying to have a nice time after work or whatever is an equally valid way to approach how you treat the realism of, of your circumstances as an actor. I think I was like really passionate about making sure that you bought into the the gravity of the place. Um and the history that she had and just like, you know, well, I think she's a she's someone who's connected to her mission. She's protecting people. She's healing these broken relationships with her crew. Um, you know, the world is dangerous. So I think if there's um, I think those are the I think if that's like the stew of ingredients that I was drawing on, if I think about it, she's a lot to prove. And maybe that's a young thing. Like, that, I think that's the irony is that like if she's she's so she's very if she's intense or if she's kind of like frustrated. Uh, that's like a young person's that's like you what you'd call if she were a guy you'd be like ah she's a hothead or like she's you know she's got to learn to have some grace i feel i feel like if i don't know what's in the writer's heads at all but like there's definitely room for someone who is frustrated and invested and tense to and i don't think she's like that all the time either um but to go into a place of acceptance and grace and kind of surrender to circumstances so i I don't think of her as an old or mature person yet um even though she sounds like she can take on a lot of different action, which is true, you know? Yeah. And it really came off that way um, in the playthrough because it does feel like, okay, this is someone that is growing. There's growth from the beginning, like you said. So, oh, thank you. so the way you acted, it, it came through to me playing through there. Um, oh, and thank you. That's so, really nice to hear. No, and, and, and it really is. I mean, a lot of, when you're playing a live service game like Anthem, Destiny, like your connection to that player does mean a lot because you're spending, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours with these characters. So it needs to feel not like, okay, this is, you know, it, it can start to feel samey. 
um, over mm-hmm. that period of time. And I think that's, you know, that's when like these voice lines, they just kind of burrow into your head. And it was never something mm. that was, you know, okay, like I, this isn't believable. It was always something like, okay, I can see where this character has gotten um, based on all the, you know, dialogue choices that we've made. Um, so mm. I really appreciated your performance. It really came through and I hey, thought you did a fantastic you. job. And I'm not saying that just because you're on the show, but <laughs> on the show. I yeah. hope that you just wouldn't ask you just politely avoid seeing me ever. <laughs> you didn't like it. No, <laughs> that so, would be much appreciated. So Sarah, can you walk yes. me through, because, I mean, this is this is Bioware, right? This is one of the yeah. biggest name companies there is. So when you walk me through the process of you going to an audition and them saying, hey, we want you to do this. I mean, that's got to be huge, right? Gosh, I mean, it was also just really... I've done big game. I mean, like big games, especially at that phase of my career, which is not that long ago, but still feels very different, um, was a big deal. Game, Big games are always a big deal. But like I grew up loving Bioware. I mean, I like from high school, that's going to tell you how old I am. But like Knights of, the, Knights of the Old Republic was like vastly influential to me in terms of wanting to become a game voice actor. <clears throat> um, you know, I idolized Jen Hale and she's become a mentor to me and like a, and a friend and she's an extraordinary, generous human but like those games and that company and the way that they approach story and the way that they approach character and who they cast. I always think they cast interestingly. I think they, they don't cast the same old yes. cliche sound that you're used to. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? So I was like, so um, excited to work with them. So, I mean, I, the answer to your question of like, what is it like when I, when they say, do you want to do this? Well, it was kind of a multi-step process. So I kind of just sort of stayed in denial. Like when I, I sent in an MP3 audition, I think I could kind of tell the tone from, you know, and, and the clues on the specs of what it would be. Um, and I didn't expect much. They called me in to do a day of shooting with Nick, who plays Halleck, um, who I'm still close with. I love Nick. Um, all of that crew. We all became very close. Um, but Nick in particular and I just sort of text each other all the time. But um, and then it, but it always felt like the job was fragile, like they were testing stuff out, like they were just going to kind of see, like I very much felt like I could still be recast. Um, especially because I hadn't done like a proper performance capture audition. So now this test shoot, I think, was doing a lot to see whether I was going to move okay. I mean, it's a first person. Many of those cutscenes, not all of them. Many of them are in first person. Some are in third person. Um, Right. So it's I was mainly going to be there in service to my other castmates, um, which I love. I love listening to people. I love like I don't I'm not married to what my face is doing. Like I love just being in front of people and getting to do my job by listening to them do their thing um so yeah so i think they were just testing me out and then and then i just they just kept keep having kept having me back so we just kept shooting more <laughs> and i just kept working but for like the first year or in a, and a half or something i was like yeah i'm gonna recast me there you go probably gonna recast me it's fine it's fine this was nice they can't take this away from me they can't take that day away from me like i was convinced that i was just holding on to every good day that i had for a very long time yeah, a you, really long time. A year and a so half. I've never had that kind of like. <clears throat> year and a half sounds like a long time. Is that is that normally how that process goes? I always imagine you just go in for like a week and you crank out all your lines and then then you're done. But a year and a half sounds like a long time. Well, you know, and I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like they created and you know that fear in me necessarily. I think it's more just like I've been recast before. I've been burnt. You know, it happens. It happens at all stages. You don't always get to find out until it's too, you know, until the game is out. Like it's all, anything can happen, especially a game that big, you know, and that important to the company. I mean, the company is doing this new IP, very, very risky, um, you know, so like they really need to get it right. And so when everyone's aware that they really have to stick the landing, um, 
you know, there's that sense of like, well, they should, they sure could just replace me, you know, they could use, you know, I mean, like there's nothing, they, they dubbed my performance capture with Ray. Like there's nothing that says they can't get a, a, an actor to come in and do, do booth voiceover for the whole thing at any moment's notice, you know, and I wouldn't know. Um, so it's not like, it's not normally how it works, but it's also always kind of possible, yeah. <laughs> um, you know? So interesting question. When after you record a big giant game like Anthem, you do Gears Five. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you do you go search through comments, seeing if like what people are saying about the voice acting? I mean, is that something you actively go out and search, or do you just avoid comment sections of of the internet at all costs? I should do that. <laughs> okay. I should do that. That's what I should do. Um, I have definitely searched for comments, and I think you know, I to my. You know, like I not it's funny because maybe I have a distorted view because I actually after I said this on Twitter, I was like, oh, oh, woof. Um, not everyone liked my performance as the Raider in For Honor. And then apparently some folks who were following me said that they they followed me because of it. So it's like but there was this definitely a vocal minority that wasn't like so stoked <laughs> on it. And I always felt like I wanted to I think the sort of petty artist in you is like, well, you're listening to this, but listen to all my efforts. I love my efforts. I'm proud of my efforts. Mm-hmm. Listen to me throw a punch. It's so good. You know, <laughs> I'm uh, efforting so hard thing. right now. I'm hurting so hard. And I was like, you're going to hear that line once, but I'm punching so good for you like 50 million times a day. Um, but you can't do that, right? You can't do that. So um, so that really tweaked me out. And then I think even just, yeah, seeing people respond to to Lizzie in particular um, has been like, it's pro- I'm probably letting it be too good for me. It shouldn't be good for me at all. Neither of these things should have any impact on me whatsoever. <laughs> but I have to say after that experience, it was like, it warms my heart a little bit that people are enjoying her company and, and it warms my heart that people would spend hundreds of hours. I can't even imagine. It's still hard for me to grasp um, because our the process of making it and then the process of you playing it are so separate. Like it's still hard for me to believe that people spend hundreds of hours with my freelancer, but I'm so honored. I'm really honored. And it's awesome. And now you get to drop us the, uh, all the information about the Anthem that they're working on now. And you've been in the booth right now, right? I mean, is that something that... We just had this conversation about trust. You can feel the NDA in the air right now. Well, here's the thing, and and maybe this is a good PSA. If you like a voice actor, don't ask them that stuff because you're only going to get them in trouble. So if you want them to work, if you don't like the actor, I guess, sure, try and get them to leave their NDA. Fine. (laughs) But like, if you want them to work, keep them safe. Right. (laughs) And and then Sarah, so I wanted to ask you, like talking about Anthem, all the voice acting you did for Bioware, um, you were also you you played four different characters for Super Giant Games in Pyre. Oh yeah. Um that's true. Super Giant Games is one of my favorite developers just because the like every one of their games is gorgeous. Every one of their games Mm -hmm. is sounds beautiful. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing Darren was the, uh, was your voice director for, for Pyre. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Is, mm-hmm. can right. he, yeah. can he just play, play like every instrument that there is? Is yeah. that? Yeah. And, and yeah. Have, Darren's have you, great. Darren, I knew, I knew actually, I knew Logan first, maybe, um, back when I lived in Brooklyn. Um, and I think Logan's still in, in Brooklyn, but, um, Darren and Logan and, and I were all in Brooklyn at the same time. Excuse me. And, um, and I, I loved, you know, I played Bastion. I enjoyed Bastion. I, 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 I play tested Transistor and I had, I was just wanting to work with them so badly for so long. Um, and Darren knew this. Um, but yeah. And then when they, when there was an opportunity on Pyre, I was like extremely excited, extremely excited. And yes, Darren can play everything. He is 
And he's an uncommon for an audio director who doesn't necessarily have he has some acting in his background. He's a good actor and he's a, he has an incredible ear and he's a good director. He's a very exact, um, exacting sounds cruel. He's not exacting in a cruel way, but he's like precise about what he wants. And he has, a, 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 you know, especially doing that custom dialect. You know, I, I think I have an okay ear for accents. And then he would be like, you sound too American. Like you sound too American. It's like made of a, like Italian and Hebrew and a couple of other things as a custom accent. And, and his ear was even more precise than mine. Um, so yeah, but it was, it was fun. It was really, they were very organized. I was amazed. And like the way that Dick Greg came up with that custom dialect was wild and very, very thought out, very cool. Um, so the process of recording on that was pretty uh, special. That's awesome. Because, nice. Yeah. I think some of the stuff that they come up with over there, like they're, they're working on Hades and I mean, and Darren's mm-hmm. also a voice actor himself. He, d- he actually plays, mm-hmm. does the voice for, for Zagreus. But yeah, I just, mm-hmm. anytime I hear someone that they, they've been in contact with super giant games, I just get a little jealous because it's like, man, mm-hmm. these, those guys are awesome over there. And anytime that, awesome. you know, they, they produce some, some pretty amazing stuff. So Sarah, I have an interesting request of you. This is okay. something that I don't know if you can do. Maybe you can, maybe you can't, but Devin, okay. um, he <laughs> has one accent that he does. And I it, don't have any he does Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> and I was wondering if there's any way you could help direct him to improve his Arnold Schwarzenegger. Is that something that you could do? Well, this is interesting. I will. I don't know if I should hear it first or just say up front. I think I, we should hear it first for for all of our listeners. We should hear it. What are you talking about, Devin? Can you can you give Sarah just one Arnold Schwarzenegger line, and maybe she can help you. She can coach you a little bit on how to improve it. That's all I'm saying. I don't understand. Stephen says this that I have this Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation. Well, let's hear it. Let's hear it. I wouldn't even know where to begin. I think, have, have you been seeing movie, his right? little check-ins with his, um, with Whiskey and Lulu? Have you seen his yes. little, like, yes. Oh, <laughs> I just say, like, I'm, we're here having breakfast with Whiskey and Lulu. Go. Oh, I'm... <laughs> Come on, Devin. This, you can do this. Oh, and also, you can totally back out of this, because I don't, I don't do so well with requests like these. So you are welcome to back out I, I want to hear Stephen do it first. Let's hear Stephen do it first. <laughs> oh, so, so what's the, what's the line? What, what do I need to say? We're here having breakfast with whiskey and Lulu. We're here having breakfast with whiskey and Lulu. <laughs> oh my god! I mean that nailed it, right? I mean that's pretty much that right there. Uh, can, can I take a whack at it? Please <laughs> give me a check. What, what's 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 the line again? Uh-huh. We're here having breakfast with whiskey and Lulu. We're here having breakfast with whiskey and Lulu. Mm-hmm. And subtle, subtler. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Devin, it's all you now. All me now. Pressure's on. I don't, I don't understand why you think I, I do this good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're here having breakfast with whiskey and Lulu. Stay inside. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Stay inside and wash your hands. I don't, yeah. I don't have an Arnold. But uh, all of those were great. I mean, I think, and then that's the question of like, are we doing an impression or are we doing like an accurate recreation? Because impressions are allowed to be as bold as they please, as long as they feel familiar. So I feel like I give you all grade A marks. <laughs> Is it the voice uh, that we hear? Is it the voice they hear? Right? No, I mean, it's like. I, 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 was, I was always taught that you need to be able to whisper in their voice, to sing in their voice, and to shout in their voice. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, uh, everybody's got the shouting Schwarzenegger down. Right, right. Um, 
but you got to get that kindergarten cop the who is your daddy and what does he do yeah yeah uh-huh that's right you want to that's good start you can stress test characters too i mean even um making sure that you know how they laugh that's what's always which is always a funny spot for me because i have so many laughs as a human um and none of them are like flattering or cool or like any of the things you hire an actor for most of the time um so when the lizzie laugh kind of like uh i'm which i'm 100 certain they just took as an outtake from me trying to make myself laugh doing the laugh emote um like yeah like that's as close to like a, that's a me laugh that's one of my many horrible laughs um so i was so excited that it would be of service finally um but yeah but yes yeah, so ideally you should be able to talk whisper and shout and you know all kinds of stuff Mm-hmm. Laugh, Whis- cry. Whispering is not my strong suit. Are there? Do you have any crazy warm ups that you can share with us? Things that you do to get your yeah. voice ready for for recording? Here's what I should be doing every day, and maybe if I give it to you like it's advice, I'll remember to do it myself. <laughs> um, I use a coffee straw, like a little coffee stir straw. Okay. Um, I know are like forbidden now, but um, but yeah. So you take the straw and you kind of put it between your lips and you buzz it like a kazoo. Um, I don't know if I have a straw. I have a straw here somewhere. I could go get it. But anyway, um, I and then I play my karaoke playlist and just sort of like buzz and hum along with the songs that I know and love um, to warm up my chords. Then that's specifically for warming up my vocal cords. Um, it allows you to create, you get better f- sort of breath control um, and better resonance for, for minimal effort, which is your goal. I think that's the best way to stay safe as a, as a game voice actor. Um, where you're yelling a lot is to understand how little you have to work in order to get a big sound or get a get a certain kind of sound um, because it's tension that will hurt you that will hurt you um so there's uh, you know massages like right now my my neck system is all messed up which is not good for my voice um there's warming up your i mean the zones i guess would be your cords your your muscles around your face and everything your your mouth and your tongue um so I personally just sort of sing, I'll sing songs with exa- exaggerating the lyrics for extra diction. You can hear I have like a little bit of mouth noise right now, actually. It's not not very crisp sounding. But um, yeah, I should agree. I, I usually use Sour Patch Kids because they don't they don't sit there and turn brown. But um, but anything sour will do that for you. Um, yeah, so I will I will mainly use the songs that I know, singing them gently, not loud, but gently. Um yeah. So pick your favorite songs, get yourself a straw and go to town. So what is um number one on Sarah's playlist for your for your karaoke? That's a good question. Let me get my phone. <clears throat> I don't remember. Where's my phone? Is it close? Oh. It's not that close. Also, I uh I, I gotta I, I gotta ask, do you ever do that uh vocal warm up where it's like I think it's like either like a small cork or something like that, and you're supposed to stay the entire mm. alphabet between your teeth? <laughs> I have seen it. I've never done it really for oh. for work, but it's a good yeah. It's a good way to to work your mouth, your lips, right? Um, yeah. So what is on my playlist? I mean, all the bad ones come to like testify is not one that's very. I love it for energy, but it's a very bad one for a vocal warm up. Like I used to listen to Testify by Rage Against the Machine before every For Honor session. Yeah, that makes um, sense. And that was yeah, right. Like that was the perfect vibe. But I have to be careful not to scream because that doesn't actually help my vocal <laughs> warm up. Um, but I have like a mix of male singers and female singers and Broadway and, and, you know, rock and, and, and pop and all kinds of stuff. Um, so the variety is really good. Um, what else is on there? Hmm. Don't remember. Isn't that funny? Some Bob Dylan, I think a you, little bit. You've got to have, Some let's see, what, what's the popular stuff right now that, that let's see, Gangnam Style. 
that might be on there. I'm guessing. <laughs> wow. Hmm. Oof. That. Uh, <laughs> what's the most recent thing I just put on my playlist? I'm trying to think. I'm not a connected music person. Um, I actually, this is very, this is, I never expected myself to be a big Sarah Bareilles fan, but she is a soulful songwriter. She right. snuck in there. She's like a really wise yeah. lady who writes about real feelings. I like it. Get the feeling um, in there. She she has yeah. an absolutely wonderful duet with Seth MacFarlane uh, <laughs> that is just incredible. Funny. What's it of? The standard? Uh, I'll have to I'll have to double check what it was. Okay. I just remember the two of them. Yeah. She so, has an incredible cover of um of Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, actually. Oh, that is yeah. to... Love Won't Let You Get Away. It's hmm. a duet him and Sarah Bareilles. Already. So, yeah. so, so Sarah, if someone was interested in getting into the voice acting business, where do they start? <laughs> Is that a coughing interested person? Oh, I, I, I tried to break into the industry in, in, in college and mm. now I'm a teacher. So you can tell how that went. Oh, you know, that's, um, that sounds like a very responsible decision to me. <laughs> <laughs> Still getting paid right now. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so wait, the question was, what should I tell them? Or where where do they get started? How do they get started? I mean, is there a place they should be oh, going? Lord. Should they just be recording anything that they can just to get started? I have I have some advice that's good for this. A lot of my industry advice is just this industry changes so much, and games in particular, what, what the processes and the technology that you're asked to be familiar with and fluent in changes so much. I mean, even just this week, right? Like these last two weeks, voice actors are having to suddenly upgrade to being pro engineers and with a home studio setup that's broadcast quality. And like, we're all always, it feels like we're constantly scrambling to stay, stay relevant just in terms of what we need to know and do and, and, and all that other stuff. So be prepared for that. I mean, I think that's the, the first thing to know is that you have to do it. Like you'll pick up whatever people are doing in the latest trend and the latest you know, equipment and whatever. But if you are, you have to answer for yourself first that like you will regret something major about your life if you don't try as hard as you can to do this thing because it's a really silly thing to do. I'm sorry to say that, but it is. It's a silly career. Um, and how to be good at it and how to crack through changes all the time. So the first thing to know is like, yeah, I'm willing to invest in this long before I know that I'm, it's going to work out. You know, I mean, getting a home set up or getting your demo together or getting trained, all that's money um, that you're, that you're pouring into yourself and, and you have to be ready to see it go or ready to dive in with it. Um, folks who kind of look to do it like a hobby, which they're welcome to do if that's the only expectation they have. I mean, I, I don't think, again, like I'm, all I'm saying is it's not the smartest career. So if you do just want to like make, you know, uh, voices on a microphone and like record stuff for yourself, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, but the, the big, the big, the big thing is, um, is a nutty thing to jump into. And so anything that I tell you could, aside from just working your craft is like, is going to change as far as current info. But yes, I think you can, you can always get a microphone. You don't have to start out with this fancy microphone, get like a, a Yeti, a Blue Yeti, um, start recording copy that you already like or already hear in the categories that you want to voice. Be aware that different voiceover categories are pretty, are pretty specialized, um, from, excuse me, from each other. Um, so I've mainly worked in games and commercials. Um, I've done a little bit of animation, not a lot, but each of those communities and practices are like, are kind of different and you need a demo for each of those. Um, so write down copy that in those things that you want to say, I pair it back to my television all the time. Um, I still do that. I'll pair it back to games that I'm playing, react to things I'm seeing on screen. Um, I just sort of 
repeat after people um, as I'm watching, just so you have that experience of like, of, of the energy and the, and the work coming out of you without you thinking about it. You have to remove your filters pretty fast. You can't be ashamed or embarrassed or nervous or tense. Any of those things that are, that are normal human emotions, especially on the spot, you just kind of have to wash away until you just are shameless <laughs> and you don't worry about looking silly or sounding silly um, because it's only the worry that's in your way. Um, so there's a lot that you can do um, on your own, regardless of how the industry changes, but just be aware. It's like a, it's a wildly changing uh, game out there. Yep. And oh, it's a game, Master. Anyway. I see what you did there. It's all coming around. Sarah, hey. thank you so much hey. for agreeing to come on the show. It's been a delight getting to talk to you about the industry, about your experience with Anthem and Bioware and being a voice actress. Um, thank you again so much for, for coming on. Would you like to tell all of our listeners where they can find you, where they can follow you um, with sure. everything that you're doing? <laughs> everything. Everything. I think I literally on Instagram just talked about an accident, a home accident. I have, that's so too much information. I have to remember that people can see these things. Um, yeah, uh, you can, I am on Instagram. I am on Twitter. Both of those things I believe are Selmale. So S E L M A L E H. Um, those are good ways to stay in touch. Um, let's see what else. I mean, that's it really. My Facebook is sort of like, it's mostly tango people, honestly. <laughs> um, so yeah. Mm-hmm. But Twitter and Instagram work for me. And it's lovely to hear from folks. I think there's a, ha a handful of people who play Anthem that pop into my mentions every now and then. And it's always nice to connect with people. Um, so it means back back at them, I would say, thank you so much for having me as your freelancer. It really, really, when people say, so when you worked with Bioware and my heart still skips a beat, like it's still so surreal and so exciting to me. So thank you so yeah. much for, for playing with me. That's awesome. And, and I hope there will be more in the future for, for you and your career and for us mm -hmm. as, as players of Anthem. We hope that there will be more mm -hmm. in the future. Um, and until then, um, everyone, thank you for hanging out with us um, for episode 120 of the Freelancer Codex podcast. And mm -hmm. until next time, there's a shaper storm on the horizon, and we'll see you on the other side. Strong alert. Thanks for together. listening. I'll let you say that again without me playing this music over there. <laughs> okay, sorry. <clears throat> strong alone, stronger together. See, okay, now there it was. That's like that was there like I was, was in the game. We were waiting the whole time to hear from your freelancer, and there she was. And now yeah. I'm just I'm gonna have to clip that out, and we will add it to our show intro. Oh, that's sweet. So here we go. I'll do this outro now. All right. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter at Freelancer Codex, on Facebook at Freelancer Codex, or through email at freelancercodex at gmail.com. Join the Discord through the link provided at freelancercodex.com. Our show will always be free, but if you'd like to send some support, you may do so at patreon.com slash freelancercodex. Our individual Twitter handles are at Stephen Lamson, at mlamson25, at neverfear, and at jdthejokedealer. Freelancers, it's time to get to work. Sarah, again, it has been a pleasure. We really, really appreciate it.